What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Daniel Fang, drummer for the hardcore band Turnstile. Turnstile is one of the most exciting bands on the scene right now, both on record and as a live act. And it was an incredible honor to have him find the time to squeeze me into his quite busy schedule. Turnstile was nominated for three Grammys this year, which includes Best Rock Performance for the song Holiday, Best Rock Song for the song Blackout, and Best Metal Performance for the song Blackout. His drumming is so fun to hear, to watch, and to play along to, and he's also an incredibly nice guy. You can see that in his most recent Rig Rundown video, which I'll link in the show notes. And yeah, I'm just really stoked to have recorded this one. Thanks again, Daniel, and I hope you all enjoy the five records that shape Daniel Fang into the drummer he is today. Cheers. I do want to start off by saying congratulations, three Grammy nominations. That's massive. Yeah, thank you, man. A huge surprise for all of us, but nonetheless, like really, really exciting for us and our parents and friends and families and partners. Like that was never in the the kind of like list of aspirations of like starting a punk rock band. Where were you when you found out? And and also how did you find out? So we were on tour. We had an off day in Charlotte. Almost all of us were sleeping. Uh, <laughs> and at like 11 or 12, like, you know, kind of afternoonish. Uh, it's an off day, you know, Dude, it, hey, it's I raining it. outside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and our manager hits us in the group text and is like, hey, they're going to announce Grammy nominations. I don't have the insider information, but... I think we're going to get a couple. And so we all woke up like it was Christmas morning. Everyone kind of in their like sleeping clothes, their pajamas. And we all huddle in like the front lounge of the bus and put it on the TV. And everyone's packed in there and we're just waiting. And they go through like, you know, all these like big categories, no mention of turnstile. And then they start getting into like really niche categories. I don't know, like best folk song that was in a movie or something. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> Turnstile. I'm, I'm about to go. Back. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'll, I'll go back to bed. And they're like, no, 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 wait. I think they're like coming, coming back around with like rock and metal. And so all of our expectations were just like so low. So I think that made it just that much more of a really cool surprise. And we we're all just like screaming after the first nomination. And the, the, the next two were like right after the first. But since we're all screaming, jumping up and down, we didn't even hear what the categories were for the next two. Yeah. <laughs> like, like look it up in Google, like what exactly the categories were. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we called our like partners and, and, uh, and family after that. Um, yeah. Good celebration. Yeah, man. Well, that's, I mean, well-deserved. My God, you guys, uh, you guys have been at it for a while. So congrats. Thank you so much. 
Um, so what was your rationale when approaching this, this list? I mean, how did you, yeah, what was your initial attack strategy? I tried to go off, you know, the, the rubric of like albums and drummers and songs that impacted or shaped, I think is the right word, um, my drumming, but like in a historical sense, like taking it like way back to when I was younger. Cause I feel like, you know, those are your more formative years, everything you're, um, you're absorbing either passively or actively just like obsessed with and listening to over and over and trying to learn on the drum kit. Those kind of just hit harder when you're younger. Like I'm inspired by so much now, but I think compared to when I first started drumming and even like pre, like before I even got a drum kit, um, I was definitely inspired by a lot of stuff that probably led to wanting to play drums. And then um, once I had like a drum kit in my mom's basement and I had the time and the energy I just obsessed over some things. That's just how I was as a kid. So some of that's listed here. And then one of them was an album that everyone in Turnstile liked a lot and kind of like, I think was a reference point for something that we all resonated with that ended up kind of developing a language and like a drum language between us. And that I think that helps with songwriting and just like interpreting how drums relate to a, a guitar riff and you know what should fit in a Turnstile song. Um, so I guess a cu couple different reasons for these picks. Hell yeah, dude. Um, and before we get into your picks, I do want to ask, so let's, let's envision this. You're at Nam, and you want to try out a kit. People know you. So you know that when you sit behind the kit, people are going to be watching you. What is the first drum beat you play just to get comfortable behind a kit to kind of tinker around? Oh, dude, that's, that's such a good question. Cause that's such a thing. Yeah. Like, you just like <laughs> default to something. Uh, I don't really know because I've never really like jammed a lot. Like all the bands I've ever played in are like, you know, punk rock or something similar uh, kind of music. So it's just like, we like write songs together and then, you know, it's probably just playing like a, a fast, like punk rock beat or something similar. So it feels weird if you get on a kit and just start playing like a really fast punk rock beat. <laughs> Good question. There are definitely some grooves. Um, I like to knock out like there are like the sound check grooves that kind of like incorporate all the symbols and toms and everything that are just that's really conducive to sound check mm -hmm. so there's like a couple turnstile songs i would start playing like a couple of drum grooves from turnstile and then just whatever like i've been working on recently i guess like i've been trying to learn like stuff that like kind of, that's kind of in the world of like you know jd beck um mm that that kind of like jungle beat break beaty uh type thing which i'm not good at at all uh, <laughs> i'm sure you're pretty good <laughs> probably whatever i'm working on because like dude on on tour and just traveling in general it's hard to practice so whenever i'm on a drum kit like for sound check or anything else i'm like okay i have like two minutes to, to try to practice something i've been like kind of tapping on my lap for a while mm -hmm. uh, let's do that so so yeah I mean, hey, there you go. Um, all right, so number one, the album is Evil Empire. The release year is 1996. The artist is Rage Against the Machine. The song is Bulls on Parade, and the drummer is Brad Wilk. Well, I guess I should ask this. Are these in a specific order in how they came into your life, or or is it just kind of this is number one? Uh, yeah, they're, they're in order, like chronological order of like how they came into my life, yeah. All right. So yeah, before we listen to a little bit of this uh, song, why'd you pick this one? Um, so this is this is kind of like pre-drumming 
I'm not sure what year it was. Uh, I was very, very young. And it was before I was like even into music, like before I was actively like trying to search out music and listen to like a favorite album. I don't even know if I had a favorite album. Like, I think this might have been my first favorite album uh, because I have an older brother that was really into rage and he got me into like punk and hardcore. Um, and he would play this uh, kind of like in the basement as we were like playing computer games, he would like put this on the boom box. And I think it was probably the first like full album that I digested because, you know, hear stuff on the radio and hear songs here and there like singles, but never did I like really dive in to the composition of a full album but yeah, so this is it. And then also my brother got like LimeWire and Kazaa, those like, oh, yeah. uh, downloading programs on our computers. And and once he did that, I was like, okay, got to get Rage Against the Machine. And one of the first things I found, um, because there's always like a mixed bag of what you can find on mm-hmm. those on that software, um, is the 1996 Saturday Night Live performance of was on parade and i just watched that obsessively like i would get home from school and just put it on and just watch it on repeat um until probably my my brother was like what are you doing why have you watched this 15 times in a row let's go play games or something totally uh this might have like kind of incepted like the idea of like a hard-hitting drummer with like these heavy kind of funky guitar parts and and how a rock drummer could kind of fit into that with this kind of like in between like straight eighths and like swung time um this like very like unique groove and a very like unique blend of style of music that, that might have been the first time even if i like wasn't consciously aware of it that i uh started to like grab on to something like rhythmically because all of their all of rage against the machines songs are like so rhythmic so this is my frame of reference for like something i like that's rhythmic that i can always like bob my head to and like probably at that age i was like jumping up and down in my basement so so yeah i I think that was kind of the beginning perfect well here uh here's a little bit of bulls on parade I like that he goes the right symbol in the verse here. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. I mean, that's going to school in how to be hooky, but stay the hell out of the way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
it's very like easy. Like I think that one of the reasons why Rage Against the Machine was so massively popular is that their their music was like pretty simple. It was like super infectious, and that they just wrote parts that were catchy, and like any of those sections could be looped over and over again, and that could just be a whole song because it's just they find something and then they can repeat it a lot because it just it makes so much of an impact and. I think it's also like a good example from being older, like after when I was younger and obsessed with them just purely because something about them was so magnetic later on when I was drumming and like helping form songs with bands, I went back and listened to rage more. And I was like, wow, like I I didn't realize this part of like the genius of, you know, this, this four piece where every person in the band did something very, impactful if the guitars had this really like dense riffy kind of riff then the drums would just play something simple because there's just kind of like finite amount of space and if you're playing you know these complex chops while the guitar is playing this really like rich like dense riff then it's just gonna sound so like muddied up so um yeah it's a really good example of like how to complement each other I think something about the four piece just like is conducive to that, you know, everyone's doing their same thing, like the bassist, so locked in, holding it down so hard, especially when Tom Morello's doing like the the scratchy, like uh, unique Tom Morello stuff on the guitar. Everything's just like held down. There's such like a, a core foundation of rhythm that some of the parts in these songs, they just feel like a drum beat that's somehow melodic. Like sometimes you don't even like hear the guitar riff as much as it feels like this like primal like drum beat that any person on the earth could hear and just kind of like move to and it happens to have melody somehow. Have you ever met Brad? No, I, I haven't. I, I hope to. I've actually never seen Rage before because I was like I think a little too young at that time where I was like not going to shows. Um and then once they played these reunion shows, just didn't have like the availability to go but well you've been a little busy so yeah see (laughs) well is it is it cool i mean have you ever thought about this the fact that i guarantee brad listens to turnstile and is stoked on it and gets inspired by what you're doing too oh my gosh i that would be cool i don't want to have those like expectations (laughs) yeah yeah, uh, yeah. i mean the whole band like obviously turnstile has some rage against machine influence like brendan who's the main songwriter definitely like heavily inspired by rage and you know if not even for like a specific uh sound it's like the general approach to 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 songwriting and composition like we just talked about yeah all right everyone i wanted to share some exciting news that the latest season of the podcast food on tour has just begun touring drummer and good buddy of mine mike robinson plays with Oliver Tree. He's covered a few gigs for me with Cannons. He's also played with K-Flay, Delwater Gap, Blame My Youth, and many more. He dives into mouthwatering conversations with professional musicians and artists to uncover their most cherished bars and restaurants to frequent on tour, from hidden gems to five-star meals at iconic establishments around the world. Fans of food, music, and travel can look forward to new episodes every Monday. So download Food on Tour wherever you listen to your podcasts and give Mike a, a, a sup for me. What a horrible way to end this. Cheers. 
Hey, y'all. I wanted to... (laughs) I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by 5.5 snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three-position strainer, 42-strand wires. It's lovely. It's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye um all right so number two and uh, I mean, this is this is top five for me too. Always will be. So, albums "Enema of the State" release years 1999. The artist is Blink 182. Song choices: "Don't Leave Me," which is the second track on the record, and the drummer is Mr. Travis Barker. So, what are the million reasons you took from this record? <laughs> um, so, if I honestly just had to pick one drummer or band that influenced drumming, it would have to be Travis. And I do, I do love. Steve Gadd and Vinny Caliuta and Dave Weckl and like and Art Blakey and Elvin Jones and like all these like really like classic drummers that shaped drumming uh, in a way that's just kind of impossible to compare people younger because like Travis Barker wouldn't be doing a lot of his stuff if if it weren't for John Bonham that kind of did this stuff mm-hmm. and that wouldn't happen if Elvin Jones didn't do this kind of thing and so like you can you can trace everything back like pretty far I think. But then it's up to the you know relatively younger drummers to apply those things in different types of music, innovate on those things in some way. And for me, it happened to be like I listened to rock and punk and like pop punk, uh, especially when I was younger, more than those types of music. So it happened that Travis Barker was in my ears and the person I was like focusing on a lot more. And for another band like next to rage that was like so massively popular and like definitely in that time of like late nineties, early two thousands, they're just like, it was just like ubiquitous music. It was, their music was everywhere. And I thought it was so cool that like Travis Barker was able to put really interesting drum parts. Like some of his, his parts are just like drum riffs because it's kind of like the opposite composition compared to rage where rage, you would have these like really like, dense interesting guitar parts something something in blink 
that's like pretty common is that like you just have like a, a chord just like rung out for like a couple bars and then like really simple guitar parts where then Travis had like a lot of room to to kind of build and, and craft complementary drum parts that filled this space um and these really like hooky riffy ways which doesn't really happen like that's like a pretty rare thing at least in like western music and especially like pop music and and kind of punk rock pop punk music it was this whole new like phenomenon of like wow drums can be this busy and like this melodic but still be like hooky and still be really good for the song so i, I think he's like a total like innovator in that sense and enema of the state take off your pants and jacket and untitled or self-titled those three are by far my favorite blink records they have like really good production love the songwriting i love the growth like throughout those those records uh, especially how like takeoff gets like kind of darker and then for uh untitled it's just like you know this complete switch and like wait we can do whatever we want and every song is just so interesting and so different from the last but as far as enema that was like i think the first one that i like latched on to and one of the first albums that i tried to learn everything on the album like learn note for note the entire album on drums and that was such a good lesson and i did the, the same thing for take off your pants and jacket digging into some of those parts you kind of realize like oh man like these are actually even more kind of hard to play and complex than i thought especially when they're like rhythmically kind of simple but then like the way you played it and like oh these three notes are actually flams in the drum fill and this is so much harder to play and oh my god he's doing like a double on the kick and i just realized he's doing eighth notes on the hi-hat for this whole section i can't even physically do that <laughs> yeah uh, so it took it took a lot of like practice and a lot of like just like boot camp uh mentality of like trying to like just like grill these songs so hard uh so i learned a lot and like became like a lot better like conditioned on drums from practicing uh and playing along to blink 182 specifically this album and actually also one thing i like a lot about travis that i kind of picked up but then i read his autobiography like a few years ago and he says it explicitly in the autobiography which is that he has this kind of like rubric for making his drum parts and it consists of these like three points which are one it has to serve the song which is pretty obvious but easier said than done yeah two it has to be interesting and unique and kind of like reflect uh your personality and, and what you like and three you have to enjoy playing it because you're going to be playing it on stage you're going to be touring on it and it's going to be something that you know um you might you, you might kind of uh develop as you play live which is not something he mentioned in the book but i think everyone kind of like runs into this when they like record and you're in a studio environment and you're like crafting the song you're making decisions and then once you put the song out and you've played it and you've jammed it with the band and then you start touring on it you start like throwing in little things and and getting a little creative and then you're like man this so it feels so natural like kind of wish i had this on recording you know so yeah i really agree with and admire that that rubric for for making drum parts because i think ignoring any of them um is kind of not doing the song and, and doing yourself justice because um if it's if it's your song that you helped create then you should be close to it it should be an intimate thing and especially if you're playing it live you're going to be revisiting it every day and connecting it with it 
in the same way and sometimes in, in new ways if you kind of like develop on it. But yeah, it, it should be something so like deliberately thought out. And that's not to say that you can't improv and just like have ideas come in the moment in the studio. But like, I think a lot of thought and a lot of deliberation should go into songwriting and, and kind of whatever becomes the, the finished product in a band. So that kind of inspired me to uh, kind of like double down on all those things, which are kind of like loosely in the background of like what goes into getting something, getting a song prepared to record. But I, I think being like even more conscious and deliberate was really impactful for me. That's a great explanation on why I love Travis. Uh, here's here's Don't Leave Me by by Blink. And even just the drum part in this song is insane. I, I remember when I first heard this song, I didn't know where the one was because it kind of starts off with, well, I'll shut up and just play the song. <laughs> I mean, I would have never thought to just have bass drums during the verse. It's just the right? things he it's, thinks of. Yeah, it's genius. Just like last time, but a little worse. And she said that I'm not one, that she thinks about it. She said it's not being fun. I just bring it down. I said to let your future be destroyed by my past. She said to let my door hit your ass. I know that um, one of my favorite records growing up was the Mark, Tom, and Travis show where they do play this yeah. song. It's basically this album almost in its entirety in the same order and they add the older ones. But uh, he does even more snare fills going back into that verse and it's it's uh, it's insane. Kind of like what you were saying. He created a an avenue for himself to make the drum parts different live and that's one of the reasons why people want to go see Blink live and probably turn style. It's like, what are they going to do differently live? Because you've allowed yourselves to have that kind of relationship with the song. Yeah, absolutely. I, I forgot to add that. Like the Mark, Tom, and Travis show was something I also listened to like obsessively and tried to learn a lot of those fills, which everyone knows who listens to it. Even if you listen to like a 10 second, second snippet, all those songs are played so much faster and so much <laughs> yeah. more difficult to play along to. But like you can tell like at the time he was really into six stroke rolls. There are so many six stroke rolls yep. on that live record. And you can just hear the, like, oh, he was into like these licks and like these little like drum things. And he would like put them all across the songs. And that's really inspirational too of like, oh yeah, the songs are the songs and you want to keep those like core parts true to what they are. But like you can, you can paint on top of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He painted a lot on that record. My God. <laughs> Jeez. Um, all right. So number three, the album is Northeast on Fire. The release here is 1999. The artist is Northeast Groovers, the song choice. And again, I always say this in every episode. I just asked you to pick a song, but it's probably the whole record means something, obviously. But Northeast yeah. Groovers, song choice is Rough Rider, and the drummer is Stomp Dog. I have no idea who Stomp Dog is, so please inform us. <laughs> um, so Go-Go music is a genre of music that is very unique to the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area um especially dc and the surrounding suburbs and it's a music it's a type of music that is very like drummer oriented like there's a drum set player 
And then there's like a, a conga player, someone usually on timbales, someone usually on cowbell. And the singer usually has like a tambourine for some songs. Um, and then they also have like sometimes multiple singers, a bassist, a guitarist doing like very like ornamental stuff. Like guitar is actually like the smallest part of these bands uh, and someone on, on keys. So like heavily contrast like rock music and other stuff I was listening to at this time because like the guitar is like by far like the smallest kind of like piece of the puzzle in go-go music and a drummer is by far the biggest piece of the puzzle. Go-go music is just ubiquitous in kind of like all public school like K through 12 like anywhere in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. Everyone knows what it is. Everyone messes with it. It's great. It's the coolest type of music and the coolest like culture and community because it also kind of uh, relates to punk rock and that like it usually and historically has happened like has had shows in like VFW halls and churches and these like DIY venues as opposed to like bigger like uh, live music clubs and has this very like underground culture about it even though it's like very popular in that that little region. And if you're in class, like it's just such a normal thing for kids to be like beating on desk and doing like a, a go-go beat and kind of like emulating like um, drum set plus like conga or plus timbali rhythm, just kind of on your hands, which I'm sure looks so bizarre to anyone outside of the area, but it was like the most normal thing. And so I think it was like really cool to be a drummer and really like cool to have rhythm and to have like a swing to like the beat you're playing on the desk. And if you play drums or had a drum set at home, that meant you were really cool and you had access to this like mythical thing that was like so, so important in this type of music. And so in that sense, I think the drummer was kind of like the hero of these bands and this genre in a way that like, you know, kids have their heroes in like baseball or basketball. They have like their LeBrons and, and uh, Michael Jordan. So Stomp Dog was kind of my hero for a little bit northeast groovers was i think one of the most influential go-go bands of the 90s and it's still very popular today and they still play shows um stomp dog is really cool drummer a lot of these drummers and and go-go bands have like a unique swing a unique kind of like toolkit of little like variations on these classic go-go grooves and certain fills and and you know it's kind of like an open source community um kind of similar to, to like gospel and some of these drummers came from playing in church where like someone starts doing like this, like type of like linear fill. And then a few months later you hear like a bunch of other drummers doing it and they kind of like build off each other uh, and share this language. And um, this song, there's actually like, it's closer to the end of the song. There's like kind of like a drum solo where Somp Dog is doing some interesting stuff uh, with the kick drum. And I think that's kind of why it's called, some dog maybe he had like really interesting kick drum stuff but yeah this is one of the songs where i was like oh my god i gotta i have to learn how to do this and that was before like as i was getting a drumming kind of like before i got to drumming where i was like if i can learn how to do this those are all my goals in drumming it was like my first like i want to do this one thing on this song and and there's a there's like a solo and this kind of like vamp into the solo that's that involves him just doing some kick drum stuff i'm like that's cool i don't know what he's doing but that's cool all right, well, yeah, I can start like halfway through and then we can, we can yeah, go. Yeah. So let's see. Y'all ready to bounce? Y'all ready to bounce? I'm ready to bounce. <laughs> yeah, the singer kind of like hyping it up. Like that's what he does. 
with some dog. Here we go, y'all. So cool. There it is. <laughs> yeah, damn, dude. Dude, I want to go down that rabbit hole for sure. Yeah, it's a really interesting genre of music. Uh, with Northeast Groover specifically, like the kind of like interplay between the singer, like frontman, and Stomp Dog, the drummer, and then Smoke, the conga player, where he's like kind of like instructs them, like, "Hey, do this thing," and they'll do this thing, and they have like this like lingo, like all these terms for things that's like unique to them, unique to Go Go. Where they're like, "Give me like a double shotgun," and that means something there's like a term for everything super cool hell yeah dude um all right well for the sake of time let's go to number four the album is it's the faith void split uh the release here is 1982 the artist is void and the song choice is who are you and the drummer is sean finnegan so take it away um yeah so this is void is a um a hardcore band that uh had like a particularly like punk rock chaotic feel but then also like a particularly like metallic like the guitarist like played um an iceman and like they, they just blended these these qualities together really well and they were in a band for a while and they didn't record much music they had really off-the-wall shows but um they left a big impact and they're actually from uh the maryland area they're from columbia maryland um and one thing i like a lot about this album and this band is that it's just so chaotic sounding even though everyone's like really good at their instruments where if you hear this for a second you're like oh my god that band is really sloppy in a cool way but it's like sounds so sloppy but i think there's like a, a a very intentional and like calculated way in which they played that sloppy like it everything's like barely together like if you were like put all the stems in a doll and look at it it would just look like a nightmare probably trying to like grid it to something and it sounds like you're like falling downstairs the whole time there's just like tumbling momentum um to all these bands all the songs uh from this band i think the older it gets the more i like appreciate how much it just sounds like rage and confusion and chaos and like how like perfectly they encapsulated this feeling and it's really hard 
to like replicate. Like I've heard a lot of bands cover this. I've covered this song with the band before. A lot of Void covers I've heard were like, no one can cover Void and have it sound like Void. It's either you cover it and everyone's like too tight and it just doesn't have that like the chaotic feel to it or some parts are just like hard and like weird to play. But this feeling is definitely like, I think essential to a lot of like 80s, like hardcore bands that sounded like really like all over the place and like kind of sloppy and not like very tight, but that was kind of the magic. And so I, I think Void is a really good example of that. Okay. All right. Here's uh who are you? crazy <laughs> it sounds rad though dude yeah yeah so is this the album you were talking about at the beginning that you and your bandmates use this as a language to talk to each other as like reference and stuff um actually no that that's the the next one but this this also like i played in like a lot of different bands and bands that like maybe are like a little bit closer to this or it's like really fast and like kind of tempo changes all over the place and like this i just call it like the falling down the stairs uh, feeling that I try to like capture, but um, yeah, definitely reference void and bands I've played in, but for, for turnstile, um, it, it's the next one. All right. Well, let's great transition, I guess. So the album's yeah. quickness, the release here's 1989. The artist is bad brains. The song choice is voyage to infinity and the drummer is Mackie Jason. So, so yeah, continue on that thought. Yeah. So, um, bad brains like arguably the creators of hardcore punk they kind of like were the innovators of playing punk rock music but extremely fast like as fast as they physically could while still being like really tight and then um bringing in like so many different elements like dub reggae elements um funk elements so much stuff where like i no one can get inside their heads and like know what was going on to understand how they were like create these perfect storms of of the records that they put together. Um, they're just so unique and influence so much in music and hardcore punk and beyond. Earl Hudson is actually the original drummer, but on this drum on this record, I'm not sure why. Uh, Mackie Jason from the Crow Mags uh, played drums, and I think did such a good job of like saying true to bad brains which his other band chromax was like heavily uh, influenced by but also like i think added a little something interesting where it's like uh it's a little bit more 
drummer e there's like more like complex drum parts uh more like philly drum fills uh turnstile collectively is like a huge fan of of bad brains but i think this record in particular has those like in in our eyes like those like iconic drum parts that like we've kind of just like mouth and like we like hum like the melody to those drum parts and it's just like worked into our dna at this point where it serves as a really like solid reference point to like discussing new song ideas and we kind of just like default to stuff that sounds like this sometimes and i think it's important for a band um and friends playing together to have like this this common well that you can like you you can draw from where everyone's on the same page like oh it, it's sort of sort of relates to this energy and of course you want everyone who's involved in a songwriting process to have different opinions but i think having that like that middle of the venn diagram is is really important and and conducive to like being on the same page and agreeing and being excited about ideas as they come to the surface so i think if there's any record out there or any band out there that is um you know serves that purpose for turnstile it's bad brains and maybe this record so so yeah th- this definitely goes out to to everyone in, in turnstile and kind of speaks to our friendship because it's like this historically been like the band i think that we all love together the most and has kind of been there it's been there by our side when putting together new songs in a really special way where it feels like there's a lot of sentimental value and like nostalgia and listening to any bad brain songs because of that hell yeah man all right well here's voyage into infinity sounds awesome so good both have hard outs here so before we go what's the next year if people want to go see you guys live um and then and then i'll let you get on to your busy day man well next year will be uh pretty busy with with shows we're thankfully touring with blink 182 so i'm really really excited as is everyone in the band to like watch travis play drums and hopefully uh you know meet him and hang out with him a little bit and we're playing a bunch of festivals, uh, hopefully having some time off too to try to live our lives, decompress, play drums, hopefully. I haven't practiced on a drum kit in so long. I can't wait to just go and, and jam, you know, uh, when I have time. But but yeah, so we're kind of doing the same thing, which is that we're just 
trying to play shows that excite us and seem like a really good mix uh, of bands like on these festivals and all these tours so it should be a good time and yeah hopefully coming to a place near you soon we'll see <laughs> yeah well it sounds like you guys are busy and you probably will be close to most people listening to this at some point so <laughs> but um all right man well it was an honor talking to you man you have been murdering it um i just watched your rig rundown which is really fun so everyone go check out that yeah man keep it up you're an inspiration to a lot of drummers and uh keep fucking rock music going man it's it's awesome <laughs> dude thank you and it was, a, it was a pleasure thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it all right dude well i will talk to you soon dude see you later all right have a good day man thank you And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at bigfatsnaredrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye.